0: remain risen, and receive these words from the Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Receive what the Spirit is saying. I
1: invite you now to pray with all of us together. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, I pray that in these next moments you would let me decrease so that you might increase. Come and speak a word a word that needs to be received, because or in spite of me. I pray all of this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. So, preparing for this series on hope, thinking about it, um, it called to my mind an interview that I heard last April 2021 an interview by Henry Louis Gates Jr. with author and New York Times columnist Charles Blow about Blow's book, The Devil You Know, A Black Power Manifesto. I want to be really clear up front that I um, am a Charles Blow fan. I've learned a lot from his writing over the years and have a deep respect for his contributions to the public conversation. But I have been stewing on something that he said in this interview since the first time I heard it. They were talking about the book, and Gates said that he um, he was so glad that the book was full of hope. And Charles Blow immediately rejected that, notion that his book was about hope or had hope in it, and went on to say this, the way I look at hope is the absence of power. You only need to hope if you can't do it. You only protest if you don't have the power to do it, that is, whatever you're trying to do, because you're asking power to bend and recognize your protest and come to your side of your argument. So in a way, hope is the absence of power. Religiously, he says, that makes tons of sense. It keeps you from falling into despair. You, you have no power to change the circumstances. All you can do is believe that somewhere, somehow, down the way, things are going to change by and by. Blow dismisses hope as a rallying cry from black leaders in the civil rights movement all the way up through the black leader in the White House. Dismisses hope as a rallying cry and basically says that hope is really disconnected from action, as if keeping hope alive was encouragement to cede our agency, to give up our agency to ignore the need to organize and mobilize and simply just wish for the best. Blow also says in his book, which was quoted during the interview, hope as a religious tool may well be essential, but hope as a political tool is folly. First of all, to disconnect religious from political is, I think, unhelpful. I wrote a book about that, as a matter of fact. Um, And the other thing to say right off the bat is that this perspective is not uncommon. This perspective of hope is not uncommon. But this perspective is really only possible, this perspective being that of Charles Blow, as just described, It's only possible if you believe that God is dead, or that God is simply not able or willing to engage the people and challenges of this world. Blow's perspective, as I said, is not new, and it is absolutely counter to the revelation of God in Scripture. God responds. God is engaged. God cares. God liberates. As we heard our brother Kevin say so powerfully, God saves. God saves. God's response to collective injustice and sin is to speak and work through the prophets. And when the prophets can't get through somehow, God draws near in Jesus and shows us how different things can really be and how we can be part of the change that we wish and hope for in the world. We aren't left alone to our own devices to follow in Jesus' way. We are given grace and power through Holy Spirit to embody our hope for the future, to take action and to change our world for the better. In my book, Sacred Resistance, I said this. To be prophetic is to have the imagination to hear and to see God's grace and to imagine a world that seems unimaginable. A world where favor falls even upon the meek, the vulnerable, and the lowly and where love and compassion prevail. If we can't imagine it, how can we work toward it? Prophetic communities of sacred resistance will name the pain of the suffering world, but will not stop there. Communities of sacred resistance will proclaim hope, even in the midst of all that is wrong. To be prophetic is to let the world laugh at our hope. It is to persevere in peace and to trust that new every morning is God's love for us. And that all day long God is working for good in the world. And that we get to be part of God's work of mending justice, liberation, and love. In both our readings today, we see people claiming a future with hope, even when their need or desire seemed unimaginable, in the midst of wrong and injustice and loss and pain. In our first reading, Jeremiah says, "'Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare.'" These words were spoken not to the powerful, but to those who had been displaced, those who had lost their homes, those who had been taken into a place that they did not know were forced into a new place by violence when Babylon conquered Judah for the first time. And the people are called to claim hope in the goodness of God even there, not by waiting around for God to do something, but Uh, by engaging with the people in that place, by building their lives there, to build relationships and lives with those even in the place that they did not choose. They had gifts to offer. They had gifts to receive. And if you read just several verses further, you'll see that the prophet isn't pretending that the exile will be of short duration, but the people are reminded that God is with them and has plans for them, for their welfare, and not for harm, plans to give them a future with hope. But again, they aren't supposed to just sit around waiting for that to happen, but to trust that as they do what they can do in the place where they are, receiving gifts and offering their own, that God is also at work making a way for a future flourishing. And in our gospel, the community of persons with leprosy who encounter Jesus show us what claiming a future with hope looks like. At the time of Jesus, persons with leprosy were unclean. They were outcast. There was little comfort, little hope that anything in their lives would get better. And when they cry out to Jesus for mercy, keeping their distance as they had been taught to do, Jesus responds by telling them to go and present themselves to the priests. And it quite frankly amazes me that they did it, because as they went to present themselves for the purity inspection, their sin was still leprous. What an amazing act of faith. To claim a future with hope before they saw or experienced any change in their condition. But as they went on their way, they were made clean. That is, they were healed of the leprosy. And then in a, sign, a surprising turn of events, the one among the group who was especially afflicted, the Samaritan, who was outcast, despised, and ostr- ostracized from the Orthodox Jewish establishment, Establishment. The Samaritan doesn't just keep going on his healed, merry way. He turns back, offers praise to God, and bows before Jesus, giving thanks. After noticing that it's only the foreigner who had turned back to say thank you, Jesus says a curious thing Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. But wasn't the Samaritan already healed? Evidently, to be made well, as Jesus means it, is more than just to be cured of any physical ailment. The Greek word translated made well is from the Greek root sozo. It can be translated as made whole, to be restored, to be cured, or to be saved. There seems to be a more holistic restoration that happens as the Samaritan gives thanks to God. And by claiming a future with hope through acts of faith and gratitude, this beloved child of God is not only liberated from isolation and physical suffering, but also brought into a right relationship with God. The Samaritan knows what God has done, and what God has given to him. He knows who to thank for the gift of faith and for the gift of his own agency and power to participate with God in his liberation. Claiming a future with hope led him into the saving presence of the living God, and he went on his way empowered and renewed. This is what we call being co-creators with God. Y'all, here's the thing. Hope doesn't steal agency and vision for change. It fuels it. Our hope is not the absence of power. Our hope is the power of the living God at work in us. Our hope is God's power to bring restoration and healing into people and places despairing of their future, to bring new life into places of death. Our hope is our God-given power. And that's the power that helps us keep going, that fuels our vision, that draws us forward that helps us remember what it's all about. And as Foundry Church, we claim a future with hope. We trust God's grace and power to help us keep creating community across all lines of diversity and to keep striving to be an even more loving and just church, to keep proclaiming the gospel counter-narrative that we offer the world. And it's a narrative of God's radical hospitality and inclusion. It's a narrative of God's steadfast love and mercy for all people. A narrative of faith that is relational and personal. It's intellectually rigorous and open to mystery. It's a faith that's lived out in both personal piety and in social justice and is fueled from start to finish by God's grace. We are a messy mosaic, but we try. (laughs) We try. We claim a future with hope through God's power working in and through us. Now, I can only imagine what Charles Blow would have to say about any of this. I imagine that he and I would have a lively conversation. But like prophets before and after us, I want to join their chorus and say, let the world laugh at our hope. And then after I say that, I turn toward God and give thanks and praise. And then I make my commitment to support Foundry's mission and ministry and life together in 2023. And I encourage you to join me. Because the world needs hope that is active in the world and fueled by the saving grace of God. And that, my beloveds, is available here. Thanks be to God. Amen.